the headquarters of Ramsey Solutions, broadcasting from the pods, moving, and storage studios. It's the Ramsey Show, where debt is dumb, cash is king, and the paid-off mortgage has taken the place of the BMW as the status symbol of choice. I'm Dave Ramsey, your host. Ken Coleman, Ramsey personality, number one best-selling author, host of The Ken Coleman Show, is my co-host today as we answer your questions about your money, your career, and, of course, actual amazing relationships. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Paula is going to start us off this hour in San Antonio, Texas. Hey, Paula, how are you? I'm just fine, Dave, and you? Better than I deserve. Uh, What's up? (laughs) That's me. However, I'm trying to find out if I'm doing the right thing for considering my situation. I'm not trying to be an Elon Musk or a Bill Gates. I'm very happy at what I got, and I just want to live comfortable, and I'm doing that. But I have my mortgage paid off. I am 76 years old, and I don't work. I could, but I don't. I just choose not to. Uh, I have a $2,600 a month. Social Security coming in. I have over a hundred thousand dollars in a money market. I have thirty-one thousand in a saving, and I uh, save a thousand dollars a month. My bills are all paid at the first of every month. Am I doing the right thing? Okay, so you have no investments at all. No, uh, that's right now. I am too scared of that with the market so volatile and everything going haywire. I don't want to play with the market. Okay. I just want to be comfortable and happy. And and basically I am. I just want to know if that's going to carry me through to my, you know, I'm, I'm seven, I'm a young 76 year old. But you're not using the money. No, absolutely not. If you continue like you continue, it would carry you on. To 176. Well, I plan to live that. I know. <laughs> I can tell. I can tell. So, uh, no, I, I me got too. more interview than a 60 year old. No, I'm serious. That, that, that you're not using the money. And so, no. you know, it, it's if you were burning it, if you were going through it a little oh, bit, no. if you were, you know, eating $1,000 a month out of it uh, to live, but you're living on your Social Security, is what you're saying. I'm living on it and still have money sitting in my bank. Yeah. Okay. I mean, there's if, money if that makes you with. happy, I'm not going to change it. No, I'm happy doing it. I just want to know if I'm if that's really the right thing to do for me. It sounds I like mean, it is because it's what makes you happy. Yeah, so I mean, I'm, I'm not. I mean, very comfortable. now, it, 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 you know, if it was me, and, and um, uh-huh. you know, I'm 62. I've got my uh, money in excess of an emergency fund. Uh, if I had that extra hundred thousand, I'm I am investing it into some good mutual funds that have a long, stable track record um, because I'm not scared of the market, and that would not cause me yeah. to lay awake at night. But it sounds to me like that that would cause you to lay awake at night, so you shouldn't do it. Well, it would because you see everything going up and down, up and down, and, and all the predictions of we're going to have a crash and all this, you know. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let, let's just, wait a minute. You, you and I are old enough that we've heard that every year <laughs> our entire life. Yeah. And it never happened. Uh, well, I don't, I, I believe what you're saying, but I'm one of these kinds that knows that it can, there's always there. It's well, a your bank can go broke. Well, yeah. And, <laughs> and that's one, another thing I have a question is I, my money 
a hundred thousand or more is in a money market, choice money market. Now, if the banks go broke, or I know it's it's federally insured, or um, or is it with a bank? Well, actually, it's with a uh, savings uh, a credit union, which okay. is okay. So they've, the they've got you. Yeah, yeah. They've, they've got NCUA. So yeah, okay. In, that's it. I never get those. That quick, but uh, you've got the same. You know, you've got insurance on the money if the credit union goes oh, yeah. belly up, and then the government mm-hmm. would have to go belly up, which is possible too. Um, oh yeah, the way they act. Yeah, and, I can and see then that. you would not get your money, and so that you know that's your absolute worst case scenario now. And if you invest the money, uh, it could go up and down, up and down, up and down. Uh, but likely, mm-hmm. you know, there's no track record of it disappearing either. So, but I, I, I'm not gonna push on it i mean uh paula this is making you happy yeah and you're oh, saving yeah. i just want to be sure i'm kind of doing the right thing because like i said i put back well a it's cost, a it's costing you about ten thousand dollars a year it's costing me ten thousand a year yeah if it was invested uh, you'd be making about a ten percent rate of return on average in good mutual funds and on a hundred thousand yeah. that's ten thousand dollars a year so you're missing out on t- about ten thousand dollars a year but you know, it well, sounds to me like it sounds to me like that's an insurance policy causes you to sleep, and I'm not going to argue with you about it. Well, that's that's what I wanted to know. Then yeah. you know, that's all I needed to know that I'm kind of okay with where I'm at. Then you're not going to go broke. You're more than okay, Paula. You couldn't do something dumb with money if you tried. I just don't think she's got it in her, Dave. She's so wise. Well, you I know? mean, the thing is this. Now let's just talk back up and talk about it. Number one that's her situation and her and her i I don't think in one radio conversation i'm going to cause her to have peace with investing but i will challenge all of you out there to the tune of ten thousand dollars a year i to me that means it's time for me to learn something Mm -hmm. and um now when she bought her home house prices go up and down she did not get a guarantee from the federal government or the ncua her house price could go down tomorrow, but she's not concerned about that. You know why? Most of us, when we buy a home, we don't think about the fact that it's not federally guaranteed. The reason is track record. Track record matters. Mm-hmm. It does. And we, you know, we were just going through this, all the Ramsey personalities walking through it with you uh, in a room, and we were looking at this crazy, awesome uh, poster, essentially, that they opened up wide, and they showed the history of the stock market, and they showed how it did before and after some of the biggest events in American history, when you would think it would create a lot of fear and instability, and it did short term, but then it always came back. And I think that was one of the most powerful illustrations I'd ever seen on what you teach and what you have been teaching. Well, and track record is a thing. Why are you comfortable buying a home with no guarantee? No federally insured guarantee, right? Because homes, if you got walking around since, have generally gone up over the scope of your life. I mean... First house I sold when I was 18 years old was $42,250 to a kid from my high school. Now, that kid wasn't smart. He bought a house from an 18-year-old. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, but I, and, you know, it turned out to be a really smart idea because that house today would probably be $350,000, $400,000, right? Wow, sure. Uh, but that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, we've all got walking around since we can look and say, okay, the track record of real estate is I'm not going to lose all my money. Mm-hmm. It might have a little bump in the road or two, but I'm not going to lose all my money. And if you actually look at the stock market, you know, with good mutual fund investing, good diversified investing, you're not going to lose all your money. There's going to be some bumps in the road, and you're going to make money. 
Now, that's the truth. But you need to get comfortable with that track record and that history like you did that piece of real estate, and then you can sleep at night. Never invest because Dave Ramsey said to. Always invest. Never invest because anybody said to except you. You need to get comfortable with it. You need to understand what you're putting money in, and then when you understand that history, I got a lot of peace about putting money in the market. No trouble for it. No trouble with it for me at all. Did you know statistically, when it comes to life insurance and protecting your family, that women are more likely to be uninsured or underinsured than men. This doesn't make any sense. Women make up half the workforce, contribute mightily to family incomes, and in many cases are the breadwinners and take care of their families 24 hours a day. This is one of the most overlooked areas when it comes to financial planning. Maybe it's a relic of the past, but a loss of income or the need to replace family care is equally important for women as it is for men. Single moms, working moms, and stay-at-home moms all need term life insurance. Rates are actually lower for women, which is why I send you to Xander Insurance. They shop the top term life companies to find the lowest rates available. You can compare rates online at Xander.com or call 800-356-4282. This is something every family has to deal with. That's Xander.com or 800-356-4282. Hey guys, if you like this show and you want to help us out, since we're doing it for you for free, you can help us out. We'd appreciate it. A couple things you can do. Uh, you can subscribe to the show on YouTube or podcast or follow or whatever you do on your particular version of how you consume the show. You can leave a review, five stars. No need to leave one star. Mama said, if you ain't anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. And you can share this with a friend. Just tell them where you're listening on talk radio or that you're watching on TBN or that you are, uh, you can click the link and share it if it's YouTube or a podcast link. So just uh, spread the word for us. Let people know that would be a huge help to us. It, uh, it really does matter. It affects the, uh, all the algorithms and all the things and causes us to be served up and so forth. And, uh, just, a, uh, just about a week ago, I think we're the number 19 podcast in the world mm. in uh, size in terms of, uh, We've had over a billion downloads of the show now, and uh, 100% of that's because you guys told someone. So thank you, thank you, thank you for doing that. Sarah's in Houston. Hi, Sarah. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hi, how are you guys? Better than we deserve. How can we help? Good. Well, I have a two-part question about a job change. Um, I just recently went through a job change after nearly 15 years with my previous employer, who I started with right out of college. So this is a pretty big shift. Um, so I'm trying to figure out is what is a reasonable timeline for feeling settled with this new job, meaning that you're understanding processes, you're building those relationships with people, um, and it's just understanding how things work. And then the second question is, how do I discern if, if kind of the overwhelming stress that I'm feeling is normal for starting with a new company after such a long time with a different company, and, or if it could be a symptom of a larger problem? How long have you been there? Um, I started, it's been about four months. What do you do? I'm project manager. Okay. Yeah. So uh, there's no set rule on how long it takes somebody to get settled. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no just hard and fast rule, but I will tell you that uh, being settled will happen when you get over some of the natural fears and doubts 
of starting something new. That's just natural. I don't Mm -hmm. care what area of life we're talking about. We've been doing something for a very long time, and 15 years is a long time. It's the only culture you've ever known. The way they did work at that last company was all you've ever known. So Mm -hmm. uh, I I think the settling will take care of itself. I think the the bigger thing that I want to know is, what are your concerns? What are you feeling concerned about right now? I want to find out if there's some depth to that or if that's just kind of some natural stuff going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess at my previous employer, I felt confident that I had built a very a good reputation and that, you know, my my loyalty to the company and my I always had the company's best interest in my heart. So if I, if I made a mistake, you know, it was kind of like, okay, well, you know, we'll work through that. At a new company, it's all new, it's all new people and I have a lot of responsibility and this is the exact kind of job that I've been wanting. So I, I love it. Okay. But so I'm also just afraid. That's a hundred percent what's going on. So let's, let's, let's start with reality. In four months time, you cannot build a reputation. You can make an right. impression. You can build a bad reputation. Yeah, yeah, you can. That's right. But but a good reputation is developed over time. So right now, we're trying to make a good impression, and, mm-hmm. and you're really worried, and I understand that. But here's the deal. If you look back on your past job, uh, you developed the reputation to where if a mistake was made, they understood this is a rarity, and this is not mm-hmm. a character problem, and it's not a competency problem. It's just the natural workflow. We all make mistakes. But you develop that over time, so give yourself a break. you got to remember mm-hmm. your history. You developed it before, you'll develop it again. And so what right now, this is a mindset thing. So here's a little exercise. When you start to feel that fear and kind of worry pop up during the day, you need to just mm-hmm. find yourself a quiet moment, even if it's just shutting down uh, the email. You, people think you're looking at your computer, but you're just going to run through a mental exercise. Is this fear have any evidence? Does this fear have any evidence that it's true? And if it has okay. no evidence that it's true, we know that it's our mind and it's based on fear and it's going to hold me back. And so then we flush it. If it's true, then that means fear is protecting you from something. But in this case, you have no history at all that says that you're going to make a bunch of mistakes at this new company in a job that you've longed for and you worked hard for. There's no evidence that says you're going to create a bunch of problems and mistakes that they're going to fire you. You would have to really intentionally do something boneheaded to get to that place. True or false? Yeah. True. All right, then. True. So believe in yourself, invest in yourself, and operate in confidence because you've been there before. Yeah, that's fair. That's very fair. Yeah. Okay. Anytime you do anything for 15 years, doing the same thing in a different place is going to take a little while, period. Whether it's job, yeah. whether yeah. it's job, whether it's a relationship, whether it's, uh, you know, you change cars. You've been driven one kind of car and you get a different kind of car. It's going to feel mm-hmm. weird going down the highway. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just takes a little while. It's just a, whatever the thing is. And so, because our human mind gets in a groove yeah. or a rut, one of the two. And, um, you know, and now you bumped up out of that and you're in the, uh, you're in the land of adventure, darling. Yeah. You know, it's not unlike uh, I love what marriage. You're doing, by the way. When, you, when you've grown up. So we, had, we went to dinner with a young couple the other night, Dave, uh, Stacey and I, and they've just gotten married. Stacey and I are coming up on 25 years, and they were just saying, what, what advice would you give us? And Stacey gave some great advice, way better than mine. But one of the things I said was, is that realize that first year 
is so difficult because you've grown up in one home. Uh, both of you have grown up in different homes where there was a rhythm of how life was done. So maybe the dad did things this way in your home, but the dad completely did something different over here. And so you both are bringing expectations based on the environment you grew up in. And all of a sudden you get two completely different expectations because of different experiences and environments. And so you got to learn to adjust to each other in marriage. And I think this is a very similar situation. All she ever knew was the way that company did work. And a company has a very unique culture. If you come to Ramsey Solutions and you've never been in a place like this before, man, it, it, it'll blow your mind how we care for each other, how we communicate so unbelievably clearly, uh, very intentionally. And so any place, good or bad, is going to take some time because it's a really different environment. Yep. Yeah, it just takes a minute. Takes a minute to get your footing. It's that simple. So, Sarah, I like what you did, though. I like your spirit of adventure. Yep. I like that you stepped out on this I love and that. said, "I'm going to go do something big." It's time. It's time to shake off the cobwebs. And yep. yeah, good for you. Good for you. It's going to pay off for you. It's going to pay off for you. Good stuff. Buvana is with us in D.C. Hey, Buvana, what's up? Hi, Mr. Ramsey. Thank you so much for taking my call. Sure. How can we help? Sure. So I am 23 years old, and I'm going to be starting medical school in a few months. Congratulations. Thank you. I want to first off say I'm super blessed. I was able to go to undergrad for almost next to nothing, and so most of my 529, I think, will cover all of my medical education expenses. Sweet! Um, Yes, my my, my parents were really generous with that, and um, I'm almost certain it'll cover all the expenses, but I do have $30,000 in savings, and so I'm wondering whether I should keeps uh how to kind of divvy that up in terms of whether i should keep some of it just in case i have a couple thousand dollars left over that i do need to end up paying for if i should start investing because i know my retirement investments will be probably four to six years delayed compared to most people who are starting work now yeah and it'll be four to six times more income that's true so i think you'll be okay listen the best possible investment buvana can make right now is in buvana Yes. You are what's known as a cash machine. <laughs> you are getting ready to make some serious bank because dumb people don't get into med school. They don't let them in. And so, um, you know, you're going to go through this. You're going to graduate. You're going to pass your boards. And doing all of that with zero debt and starting off your career with zero debt is the best investment you can possibly make. You are a better return on investment than a mutual fund is. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. So just trap all that money, and I want you – listen, you did a lot of planning. You did a lot of uh, scheming and scamming. You've laid everything out. You've dreamed about this in detail. Now do the same thing for the money part of it. Okay. You sound a little bit kind of wishy-washy and disorganized about whether the money's actually going to make it or not. I want you to sit down and develop a plan where the money makes it. Your money makes it. And graduate with $30,000 still in the bank. That'd be great. I want you to lay out a detailed HD, high-definition game plan to get through med school with the money you've got. And that's going to keep you from buying stupid butt stuff when you're tired, stressed out, taking some tests in the middle of the night. And so, seriously, lay it out in detail. This is The Ramsey Show. If you've got debt and now you got inflation stealing more and more of your paycheck, I know a lot of folks out there feel like you're drowning. You're scared. Understand I've been there. It's no fun. 
and you shouldn't have to live with that kind of stress. If you want things to change, though, let me tell you who's going to change them. You. You've got to finally back up and say, that's it. I've had it. When you've had your I've had it moment, the next thing you need to know is, how do I fix this dadgum mess I made? Let me tell you what. I've got the solution. For 30 years, we've had 10 million people now go through Financial Peace University, our nine-lesson course that'll teach you how to get out of debt, become wealthy, and outrageously generous. And it really does work. It is the largest course on how to handle money in America today. By far, nobody's even close. Check it out. If you want to know more about it, just go to RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. RamseySolutions.com slash FPU. And we can show you how to walk away from the fear. Is it going to be easy? Well, crap, no, it's not going to be easy. Making the mess was easy. Getting out of it isn't going to be easy. And it's going to take you about half as long to get out as it took you to get in. So if you've made a mess for four years, count on about two years to get your butt out, not two minutes. We don't sell microwaves around here. Food isn't worth eating. We sell crockpots. No such thing. Ken, I've been all over America. I have never seen anybody put the phrase good microwave barbecue (laughs) in one sentence. That's exactly right. There's no such thing. Nope. No such thing. You got to cook it until the dog next door is howling. Low and slow. That's it, man. You just you got the, the animals. Animals have to be stirred up from the smoke. <laughs> That's how it works, man. Yeah. And, and life is that way. The good stuff, yeah, true. It, you, you know, it requires putting some calluses on your brain and on your hands. It requires doing some things you've never done and being uncomfortable, because yeah. comfortable is what got you into the dadgum mess. That's the deal. Open phones at 888-825-5225. Ken Coleman, Ramsey Personality, is my co-host today. Alec is in Atlanta. Hi, Alec. How are you? Hey, guys. So much for taking my call. Sure. What's up? So I recently completed Baby Step 3, and within the next two to three years, I'm going to have to get a newer car. Good. And when the time comes, I just want to know, should I use my emergency fund to pay for this newer car or should I, you know, start saving up money in a completely different savings account? We call it an emergency fund because you use it for emergencies. Mm -hmm. Buying a car that you plan to buy a year and a half from now is not an emergency. So you save up and pay for it. Aside from your emergency fund. Don't touch your emergency fund for something that's not an emergency. Mm. Does that make sense? Clear as mud. <laughs> okay. Well, don't use your emergency. Buying a car is not an emergency unless your car just disappeared last night and you had no insurance. Sure. Now, yeah. that's an emergency. Okay. Mm-hmm. Or the car gets totaled and you had no insurance, right? That mm-hmm. would be an emergency. But right mm-hmm. now, you're telling me I got 18 months to save up for a car. That's not an emergency. Buying tires, going on vacation, Christmas is not an emergency. It's always in December. They don't move it. Follow the difference? An emergency is known as an unexpected event. You've clearly made this an expected event. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there you go. That that hopefully that clears the mud up. But yeah, that that's what we're going to do there. Save up and pay cash for it. And by the way, anything else you buy for the rest of your life, you're going to save up and pay cash so you don't fall back into debt. Fall back. Most people don't fall into that. They strut. 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Sometimes okay. they jump into it. These jump days. into it like yeah. a jumping into the <laughs> death. Okay. You know, there's a hold on before you go there, Dave, because this is interesting. I'm just listening to that and the, and hit the psychology going on, and he's wrestling with that. And I think there's some other people maybe new to the show that are kind of wrestling with that too. Well, Dave, the car is just not going to last much more than 18 months. Why can't I use the emergency fund? And I think it's the difference between the expected and the unexpected. And there, it gets back to this financial peace phrase we use all the time on the show. Why are we so clear on that to say, hey, you know you need a car. Why is it a better financial decision to save up for that than it is to just go ahead and use that money that's already saved? No, the same because here's let, let's just be real clear if you use your emergency fund you have to stop everything you're doing and replenish it That's because correct. you're gonna otherwise you're going to attract an emergency right so um yeah it's not i, I used to work with a guy a thousand years ago he said people use their savings account as a put and take account put in take it out put in take it out put in take it out and and they never have any savings as a result it's just a it's a glorified checking account mm-hmm. that lasts a little bit longer than two weeks, you know. That's good. So it's a put-and-take account. And if you if you use your savings that way, instead of using a named account, okay, this, na- this account has a name, emergency fund. We don't touch it except for emergencies. This account is the car account. And if I use that money to buy a couch, no car, right? If it's the couch account and I use it to buy a car, no couch. So you're, by naming it, you realize you're violating your former intention because you're being an impulsive little child. Mm-hmm. That's typically what happens with me anyway. Yeah, you know, that's right. It's not a bass boat account. I mean, really, seriously, those fish are not going to outrun you. It's okay. And so you can get a, you can go with the old slow motor. It'll work. It gets you there. It's, it, they're still going to be in the lake. And uh, But, you know, we have to go 126 miles an hour apparently to catch a bass because they're really fast. <laughs> So, um, so it creates a boundary, a real mental boundary developed over time of discipline to say, we're not touching this. And then well, we begin it, to adjust to that. It is a boundary, and and, it, and it's a muscle in the same sense. It, you know, like one of the things I did for years and years and years, I don't do it formally this way anymore. I've got a different process now that we have the Family Foundation, but I did giving that way. Yep. And it was an interesting thing. Once I moved money out of my checking account into the generosity account, I didn't feel like I owned it anymore right it was gone i just hadn't placed it yet that's good you know what i mean and mm-hmm. that wasn't sure but that, that was just a psychological thing that by renaming it i had released the ownership of it already to generosity and so it wasn't hard for me to give then when a need came up in front of us mm. it was just because it was already in a sense given and now when we move it into the ramsey family foundation it's the same thing it's just a little bit more formal a little bit more sophisticated with denise running all of our giving and all that but the uh uh but but still i still think i mean if you just earmark it for something then you feel like you're violating something if you don't use it for that yeah I, I feel the same thing happened to Stacy and I when we first started the envelope system because then it was like I would second guess. That's what you're if, supposed to do. If I know, but it's yeah. like you don't use your food mo- food mo- yes. money out of your food envelope. Yeah. Put gas in the car, right? Because you can't eat gas, That's so right. it's not food. <laughs> so it's not an emergency. You don't use the emergency fund. It's not a, yeah. and we don't use your car fund for an emergency unless it's a huge emergency and you had to liquidate everything else. But by then, you, you, what you're doing is you're realizing. You're, you're setting up boundaries, like you said, put in place to make yourself realizing you are changing plans. Yes. And you have to say, I am changing plans. And really, and if you're married, you're talking to your spouse about that, and you're going, 
we are getting ready to use the car money to go to Europe. Are you getting that? Okay. Or we're going to uh, use the Europe money to get a car, whatever it is, because mm-hmm. we're, we're changing the plan. And uh, instead of like, instead of just living with this uh, waves of, of impulse yes. coming over us and, and you, you own it. So you can change it. I could take money back out of that generosity account and buy a car with it. I can do that. But it's a change of plan, and, and it would feel weird. It's kind of like here's another one that, where that comes up. If you ever move money, uh, if you ever put some money, even if it's birthday money or something, in a kid's savings account. Well, the kid doesn't own any money in America until they're 18. You can't do contract law, so that account is not in the kid's name. It's in the parent's name as a with the, the kid's name and the parents as a custodian. You cannot you cannot right. do business until you're 18, and so technically, kids don't own money shocking i know but technically they don't and so i could take that kid's money and buy a car with it because it's not really their money but wouldn't that feel gross yes absolutely that would feel gross that would feel like i had done something like a bad parent or something yeah because you would be this is the ramsey show If you're a new listener and you want to get deeper into all this uh, backstory, stuff like baby steps and debt snowballs, go to RamseySolutions.com. Click on the Get Started button. It's completely free, by the way. And we'll help you figure out the best next step for your financial journey based on exactly where you are today. We will show you what to do next based on years and years and years of research and uh, experience with our customers and success. So, Get started. Click it at RamseySolutions.com. If you're brand new, we'll get you moving. Jeff's in Toledo. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the Ramsey Show. Hey, Dave. Thank you for taking my call, my friend. I just want to tell you right up front that uh, um, your riveting message has meant a lot to my family over the years. And we did FPU about 14 years ago. Changed my life. Changed my family tree. I'm honored. Thank you for that. Honored. Thank you. No problem. Um, my main question is, I think I did a little bit of a boo-boo, Dave, and I'm, I'm kind of retracting from it, and, and I, 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 I have a feeling that your answer is going to end up being not exactly what you want to say or what's best interest for me and my family, and here's why. So basically, uh, my wife passed away about a year and a half ago of ovarian cancer. Oh, my. Wonderful Christian woman. I'm sorry. Um, she was a warrior. She was, she was, she went through FPU with me many years ago. It wasn't necessarily her strength. I was the nerd in the family and, and, uh, took care of the finances, but she, uh, while during this cancer journey says, I think we, I need to leave a legacy for our adult children, our upcoming adult children. And I said, well, how do you feel you want to do this? She said, I think we need to go to the title lawyer and include our kids in on the, on the, and do a quick claim deed and include them in on 25% of the equity in our home, which we have hundred percent equity on a home in Finley, Ohio, that's uh, worth right about between seven fifty and 800 K. So I really don't. Uh, so what I did is I was in the midst of uh, really all hands on deck with her ovarian cancer journey. And it was very difficult and I wasn't really in my right mind and I signed it. And I think that, um, releasing this money because I'm, I'm actually getting married to a wonderful gal from Dallas, Texas, 
and she's incredible. We have a long distance relationship. Long story short, I really feel that uh, I'm putting a house up on the market and we've already got a couple potential buyers. Um, I know the children are, uh, my daughter's 18 senior in high school and my son is 21 down in, in, in Orlando. And, um, so basically what, ha- what's going to happen is when we sell this home, they're going to get to the tune of about 175 K to 200 K each. And I feel like it's going to be, it's not going to teach them the right things. Um, yes. They, they each early... got 25%. Yes, I signed the quick claim deed. I thought you you didn't you didn't give them a quarter. You gave them a quarter each. A quarter each. So okay. if we sell it for eight hundred k, I we got get you. Be two hundred grand. Each. Yeah, I got you. Okay. All right. And um, so I I feel like it's teaching them the wrong message, and if they get they're getting a windfall at a very young age. Now, granted, they have the right to do what they want with the money. And I wanted to get your opinion on: Is it is is am I? not a man of principle if i if i try to retract this and let get them signed back off of it before we sell this house or is it a good idea to just follow through with my commitment that i made with my wife because she wanted to leave a legacy for our kids um hmm. trying to think what i would do a good way to solve ethics questions is get on the other side and walk in the moccasins treat other people like you'd want to be treated kind of thing and so um i do not hear you wanting to take this money and buy your new wife a mercedes i hear you uh worried about your kids being burdened with the weight of this that's what i heard you say and so and you, you are you know, putting but, their best interest at heart. So that does not make you lacking in principle. It makes you quite the opposite. Um, what would I do if I were in your shoes? Because uh, we do want to carry this equity into the, our home that we want to live. Uh, we want to live in Atlanta. Yeah, I, get married I, in Atlanta. I think what I would do for sure is um, I, I would do a will immediately and, uh, and a prenup that protects their portion uh, were you to pass. Okay. And so, and then I would ask them to, I would ask them to deed it back to you. And then you say, I'm going to leave you all of the money from this house if I die. And at a later point, um, you know, as you guys get a little bit older, I'm going to help you with some other things anyway, but you're going to end up getting this, all the money from the house, not just a fourth each. You're going to get a 50% each when I die. And, uh, because I'm going to protect that with a prenup and I'm going to protect that with a will. But my children are pretty bound and determined to get this money, Dave. Oh, well, that's, then they're that's not going to the sign challenge. the quick claim. If they don't want to sign the quick claim, they want to sign it. If they don't want to sign it. You can't make them sign it. Yeah. I, I'm worried well, about oh, the relational. I'm worried about the relational aspect. I think Dave's right. You know, put yourself in your kid's shoes to the best of your ability to you say, you've told them this, this was your, this was their mother's dying wish. You told them it was going to happen, and now you're changing your mind. And, and we're not questioning the principle of the change, but you have to put yourself in their shoes. And what is this going to do to your relationship? And I think you have to consider that because that, to me, is the bigger long-term issue. Yeah, you, yeah. you added you yes. added color to this equation when you said they didn't want to do it. That was the first part, first time in the conversation we heard that part. So that does change yes, it. 
Now, again, they're going based on, hey, this is our mother's wishes. This yeah. is what we sh- she really it was. Now, I was a little queasy. Well, I don't care. You did it. And I wasn't in my right mind. Yeah, you did, did it. it. Um, I did and, it. And yeah, this now, would have been the good time for the nerd to say, no, thank you. That's a bad plan. Uh, they're going to get exactly. it all when I die. They're going to get it all when I die anyway. And no, I'm not giving it, giving them a fourth of the quick claim. Sorry. You know, uh, that would have been the conversation at our house, but you know, it's, uh, that's water under the bridge. Now, now you got two kids that are expecting this and don't want to sign the quit claim. You are going to step in a relationship hole here. Uh, and rightly so, but I don't think it's a matter of you're a man of principle. That's not the point. Uh, the, the point is more the relational thing that's going to get violated here. And so I think, I think they got the money, dude. I think you screwed up. The only thing yeah, you can do, only thing you can do is try to influence them. I'm sorry. Now, well, yeah, that my title lawyer just told me the same thing. Well, there's no question the from a title standpoint, you can't yeah. do nothing. But I, I was early in the conversation. Right. I was under the impression you could get them to be willing to sign the title back over to you. And now you're saying well, they don't want to do that. Well, that's that you can't make them. Wrong, do it. Is it wrong for me to persuade them and get counsel to reverse that so that we don't you know, what a, what a tangled web we could weave here. If you can persuade them without them thinking their dad's a dog. That's the issue. You got to be careful because they may think you talk about money here and it, you said they think this was their mom's dying wish. And yeah. you know, you're going to get, now you're fighting with angels. Do you want your kids thinking that you're greedy? That's the risk. On no, this. absolutely not. But and I will I tell that, you, I will you tell know, you, I think it, that's the risk. A little of the tail wagging the dog here. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing I would probably do here is say, listen, if you all don't want me to handle this for you because it was your mother's dying wish, I understand that. I I really think it's unwise for you to get $200,000 at 18 years old. I'm your dad. I love you. And I think it's going to be a problem for you rather than a blessing. But I can't, I'm not going to go back on my word. If you choose to give me this quarterback, I will protect you on it. But if you don't want to do that, um, then I'm not going to, I'm not, certainly not going to force it. I, I am going to do my best as your dad to persuade you to do smart things and not let this be a problem for you. But, um, but yeah, it was, a, um, you know, I, it's horrible to say in this situation, but it's a really dumb idea. I mean, it's just, uh, but you're stuck with it now. And, yeah, you can't force this. You can't go in before the judge and go, uh, Your Honor, we want you to reverse this because I really wasn't thinking clearly. That one won't work. <laughs> yeah, right. The judge is going to go, whoops, sorry about that. Stupid text time. So, yeah, hopefully you can just persuade them uh, that their best interest is at heart. And if you can't, then persuade them to do something wise and let you help them help lead them through good decisions with the money. But I think the money's probably gone, what it sounds like to me. This is The Ramsey Show. Hey, it's Ken. If you love the show and want a deeper dive on your money journey, we have a weekly newsletter that gives you trending and helpful articles and tips on following the Ramsey way. Go to RamseySolutions.com today to sign up for our newsletter. Again, that's RamseySolutions.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter.